Good. What? That's a classic like Django a goof. Wallet? That's a classic Django goof. That's what I'm here for. We've been in the last 24 hours. We've had multiple zooms with Brian, and you've referred to prison wallets in both of them. He's he gets it. He gets it the most. Hey, hey, Brian. I'm an innocent little Canadian, and I barely <laughs> understand what you're saying. All this Americanese that's coming out of me. Prison wallets and and sea farts. And we farts. don't even have farts in Canada. <laughs> My friends, we found ourselves in quite the predicament this week. We are in an Airbnb on the cusp of the Canadian border. It's perfectly acceptable by anyone's standards, except for anyone outside of Washington, which is amazing because we brought quite the quite the guest in this week. We'll get to that in just one second. But in this moment right now, I need to introduce everyone to O. Oh, perfectly acceptable podcast 259.5 we're not going to break the 260th cherry right now that's not what tonight's about tonight is about explaining why it's not the full length episode that it it should or would have been no no like i said the airbnb the canadian border Django and colette and jeff are attending something called comics pro you've probably heard about it through this podcast around 52 episodes ago when we were doing it last year and then 104 episodes ago when we were doing it two years ago you can actually do a whole multiple of 52 type of thing to get an idea of when we've been doing comics pro but it's a yearly thing and i've just broken the code of 52 weeks in a year and why dc is so into that but the reason that this year we got an airbnb in blaine washington just on the cusp of the canadian border where we can look across the water and see the town of white rock canada is because our physical essences were pretty far away from the physical essence of one brian garside who has written emails into this podcast to the ted lasbro's podcast a wonderful contributor to everything so even before we introduce django and colette i am jeff brian hello welcome in well, hello from Canada. Hello from I can see you just over there on the other side of that water. You I'm, you I'm waving right now. If you if you aim a flashlight at me. Oh, I think I see your light fl flickering that, off. That, that's me. Yeah, yeah. That's Brian. That, that's Holy. Brian. Brian, what a kind light you're exuding. And then as always, I've got my friends Django and Colette. <laughs> that was Colette. Oh my god. So before we started recording that this, I this, I specifically said, Colette, don't burp or interrupt. And she it did. It's been one of the 10 best burps I've ever heard in my life. It was perfect. <laughs> this mic's volume is probably kind of hot. Usually everyone has their own mic. Tonight, we're doing a little bit of brief experimentation with sharing mics. And I'll let you know right now, it sucks. <laughs> and my other Michael is Django the fart man. Okay. So this is why it's not an actual episode because everyone's been doing comics pro all day, having some fun, looking at things, having a couple beers, having a couple whiskeys, talking about POS systems, doing doing the Lord's work as far as I can assume, frankly. Um, but we're going to try and do a, just a little bit of professionalism. We're going to answer a, answer a couple emails here, say hello to our friend Brian. And then we're going to get out of here because it's early in the week and um, I can't guarantee that everyone's read Human Target. Actually, a component of this episode is going to be the three of us convincing Brian that he needs to read Human Target. Ryan, before we get into that, my Canadian friend, how are you doing? You want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? You can say anything that you want. Um, wow. I happen to know that you used to own a comic shop, um, which is Sorry. a loose connection of how we got to know you, but... True story. Um, so yeah, I'm Brian Garside. I am the owner of Managed Comics. I have been, I, I actually worked in my first comic store in 1989. That's um, the year of my birth. So I, <laughs> not to God. shame anyone or anything. <laughs> but I, uh, I worked in comic stores during the whole image revolution. Um, then I went to school. I did a dot-com tour of duty. 
I opened my own online comic store in 2005. I sold it to my business partner in 2011, opened my own uh, thing in 2015, worked in dot-coms and, and internet between there. And uh, now I just get to hang out with cool people and talk about comics all that, the time. And that's my life. And dot my com says, hey, do you ever do work? And I'm like, this is work. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> just trying to recover from my dot-com tour of duty. I think that we lost a lot of good men and women during the dot, that particular tour. We did. And at one point I was worth three times my annual wage on paper and it all disappeared. Brian, I've always wondered how someone has a net worth. That's amazing. Way to go for having one at any point. <laughs> yeah, I'm always was, like, pretty cool. For, I'm always like, what's LeBron James bit. worth? You know, and I just want to be worth something one day. Aww. It's just on paper, though. You're worth a lot, Jeffrey. That's generous of you. On paper, I'm not worth anything. No, I'm just, I'm worth, I'm worth a little bit in the hearts of some people. You're worth a lot in my heart. That's very good. But you're also the person that burped for your introduction, so that's. <laughs> what we've got so for anyone who does Jeff, Jeff, yeah, top yeah. 10 burps i've ever heard yeah it was life. a very good so burp we're all very proud of the burp that, that's top 10 canadians so that's got to mean something well that's but didn't like, you say that they don't fart in canada also like well but burps are a different thing but in canada you're a like, you're a good upright citizen well, not legally like we don't legally fart in canada legally they keep it all above the waist hey jangle exactly i know that in in new orleans Cannabis? totally legal Farts? Farts? Illegal. Watch yourself. Uh, Django, I know farts were illegal in New Orleans for a lot of your upbringing. Is that why you're such a bad boy? You're like, you're a bad, the bad boy of the comics industry because you were born tooting in a world that didn't let toots happen? I'm catching up. Yeah. I'm another one that I'm just proud that I'm proud to have my mom listen to, right? <laughs> one of those episodes, she was yes, like, mom. it's. It's fine. Yeah. Hey, mom, meet Brian. He, he's awesome. My mom, um, yeah, did a, yeah, had to say like, don't you think you could just do a little less fart humor? It's, and she said like, it's like, it's like taking a bunch of your friends on a, your, one of your birthday party trips to Spokane. Well, it's, that's what your podcast when is you like were 13. when I was 12. I mean, the, the, my favorite part of that story is that your mom listens to the podcast. Yeah, she texted me today about getting to the part where we were talking about um, kissing and 69ing. So if anyone doesn't know, it's weird to get a text message from your mom where she says the word 69 in numbers. <laughs> I think that... Note to self, maybe don't send this one to my mom. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brian's mom, it's Jeff. Um, would you spell 69 or just put the numbers six and nine? Because so my mom on, just put the numbers. About, uh, we're gonna talk about human target, I believe. We're gonna talk about <laughs> we're gonna talk about human target this week. But before we get into that, we have two emails, and I hope that we don't because we just want to be a part of everyone's life, even if we're not gonna have talked about a bunch of whole comics this week. Because frankly, it's comics pro. I don't know about anybody else, but the the four of us today got up early, although Canada Brian's on a slightly different time zone than us, but myself was up till 2.30, two mm -hmm. nights in a row, and then got up at 7.45. So the math for that wow. is not a lot of sleep. How, how does that work? Because I was up till 2.45 with y'all. Yeah, I and know. I got up at 7.45 Canadian, and... That, that doesn't make sense. That sounds like we got the same amount of sleep, Brian. We solved the world's problems for a couple of hours before we went to bed. Congratulations. Congratulations. It was gratifying. No one thanked us. Um, I'm sure you smell terrific. Yeah. That's generous as well. I spent an hour in a bathtub watching a seminar today, so I smell lovely. Thank you She very much. does. <laughs> I haven't showered since before we got here, and that was days ago. But How much milk was in that bathtub? <laughs> it was oat milk. Does that still count? We'll allow it. I think it was three Canadian neighbors and their family dog worth of milk. I forget about the conversion rate of that's, the American. That's 12 to... liters of milk. That's a, that's a lot of milk. It's a liter. I've never even heard the term liter before. Like L E A D E R? Is that 3.5 right? uh, gallons is uh, a gallon is 3.5 liters. You know what's crazy is that. I would think that because Americans are the stupid people not using the common 
measuring system that Americans should be the ones better about being able to convert it to the common measurement. And none of us can, but Brian's like, oh, it's this amount of this. So, so this week in America, well, cause everything is in fricking cups and I have to turn that into Canadian all the time. This week, an American said to me, you know, we would take over the metric system, but the problem is your, your degrees it's like zero is freezing and a hundred is, is boiling. Like there's not enough nuance in between there. And I was like, you know, we measure things in 0.5s too, right? <laughs> also, that's more nuance. That's turning 32 into 100, which means a more precise division. Yeah, it was, it's pretty crazy. I, I honestly don't know how y'all do it, but uh, congratulations on uh, being the only holdout on the Imperial system. So you got Listen, if there's, on one, Earth, if there's one thing that makes us Americans proud, it's that. Yeah, nothing has made us feel good like being the lone idiots refusing to use a system that makes sense. I can't drive 55. <laughs> um, so in this week, we're going to talk a little bit about why Brian should be reading Human Target. And uh, we're going to answer a couple emails. I've got two and a half here. So right off the bat, we're recording this episode. Will didn't know that we were going to be recording it because we weren't. He knows that we were going to be out of town, but... We were hanging out with Brian and we thought, why not? Let's just talk. Let's talk to everybody. So we've got one email here from a Judd Morse for our 259.5. So Judd says, howdy, aloha, etc." That's right. We've abandoned our stupid new directions right now. We're going legacy numbering, pap casting. You guys were talking about good young Bruce Wayne stories this week. And it made me think of one of my favorites, which is Detective Comics Annual number two from 1989. Jeff's year of birth. <laughs> Written by an equally young Mark Wade, Bruce Wayne finds himself in the rural South, apprenticing to a Southern master detective who's equal parts Columbo and Bill Giuseppe, the sheriff from Heat of the Night. It's a one-and-done story about Bruce learning to be less of an, a hothead fighter and more of a rational detective, and also about how justice can be pretty complicated. Plus, Batman kicks the shit out of the clan. Batman Year One. It's one of my absolute favorite proto-Batman stories. Don't know if it's ever been re batman year beyond sorry beyond year one <laughs> that was jeff beyond year one it's my absolute favorite proto batman story don't know if it's ever been reprinted but it's definitely worth tracking down also just finished dan morrow's life and times of scrooge mcduck the other day absolutely loved it thanks for putting it on my radar today's question if you had to be in a couple's hot dog eating contest with any comics creator living or dead who would you choose? Via con Dios, Aloha, and so on, Judd. Judd, great email. Um, I'm going to toss this over to Brian first. Brian, are there any definitive young Batman stories in your mind? I think that that came up last week. We were talking about how Batman the Night is coming out, and it's a story that kind of bridges the gap in Bruce Wayne being kind of like 14 to 19 or whatever in that age. And I made the comment that it doesn't seem like there's a definitive Batman year one, like the first Batman story. And there's death of the family, long Halloween, dark victory is the definitive Dick Grayson becoming, you know, Robin. But I felt like there was not necessarily a thing that everyone hangs their hat on as being the definitive kind of late teen Bruce Wayne story. And I'm curious in that era of Batman, is there a story in your mind that you stand out as uh, kind of one that you love? Like a year point five? Yeah, like a year point yeah. five. Wow. Like that actually might be an era of Batman that's literally never been explored. Like there's there's year one, which like in my mind is is still one of the top ten best Batman stories of all time. Mm -hmm. David Matt Shelley kind of at his at his apex. But like before that, I I honestly can't think of anything that's that's come out that would be that story. Yeah, I, I feel like it comes up in flashbacks and it comes up like Batman Begins did it and like everyone kind of like references like fever dreams like oh yeah you remember when Bruce was in the Himalayas training with this person but it, I, I got the feeling that there wasn't kind of a, a really definitive moment but Django you, you there was the, the Legends of the Dark Knight one through five covered some of that. Yeah, a little bit but like yeah. even, even like some of that stuff was in that first what was the first hardcover that DC ever put out the the Batman 
son of the bat or son of the demon son of the demon yeah even that like is probably one of the prototypical things that that has a little bit of that stuff in it but yeah there's there's never been like a definitive kind of work of that that's i i I actually that kind of staggers my mind Mm -hmm. that there's a period of batman that hasn't been explored yeah, it's always just kind of talked about, like, you you yeah. know, they reference moments. But yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a kind of really definitive thing, which is why when that Chip Zdarsky Batman the Night miniseries started about a month and a half ago, um, it was cool to have it coming out. But I think a lot of us were like a little tired of just the idea of like, oh, we've already explored this time frame. But then thinking about it in reality, like we talk about that time frame, but we don't really necessarily have definitive issues. But again, if somebody out there does have one, and that's kind of what uh, Judd has responded to here, that particular annual... Um, has a has a good instance of that moment. I mean, that annual is right after year one, right? And that's that's the one with that amazing Brian Boland KKK cover with Batman jumping out of the tree. Oh, I can picture that cover, but I've never read it. And I don't really remember that story super well, but there's another, I think it's the Detective Annual 4, maybe, that has a Neil Adams two-face flipping a coin on the cover. Mm, I can oh picture my that. God, yes. and that's, that's like, that's one of those classic like absolute classic covers yeah Yeah. and and the story is i think it's uh uh i don't remember the artist but it's it's it revolves around two-face and batman and gordon's partnership that is sort of covered in year one yeah fleshes that out a whole lot and kind of for long halloween for long halloween yeah 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 yeah. Interesting. Well, so then the heart of this, the meat, if you will, the carnitas of this taco is got to be um, today's question. If you could enter a hot dog eating contest with any comics creator, living or dead, who would it be? And I think that Django obviously needs to be the first one to answer this question, I would think. Of course. Yeah. Because he's a guy who likes hot things and dogs. Big fan. Big fan. Big fan of the meat and Big the dogs. fan of the treat. Meat, meats and treats. Um, I would, Eat on the street. I would say uh, I would like to. I'd like to eat hot dogs with Bill Finger. Wow, mm. what an answer! Dog with the finger. All yeah. right. Yeah, I, I, I just, I feel like, and and I want early Bill Finger. Uh, yeah. Because I feel like he would he'd be really excited for the free hot dogs at that point in his career. Django, I hate to call you out, but to me that feels a little bit by being like, hey, if you could see any concert in the world with a band that's alive or dead, who would it be? And you're like, oh, the Beatles. You know, okay. like, okay, that's fair. It's like, I just want to eat hot dogs with Stan Lee and Bill Finger. Okay. Um, in that case, I'm going to go with um, Denny O'Neill. Okay. So same thing, but a little yes. different. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. Those are good ones, but I Eddie love that. Neil would be snapping his fingers all the time. Oh, oh Brian, <laughs> throwback. Danny O'Neill wrote that two-face covered that I was just talking about. Okay, yeah. like, so you would do a bat, a bat fam person. Yeah, I think so. Okay, hey, um, Brian, what do you think? Well, so I just want to say I will eat any meal in the world with Grant Morrison, just because yeah. his yeah. his rogue would yeah. just be <laughs> lovely, like. So as as we're eating this hot dog here, it's just, it's, a mat, it's easily the best hot dog I've ever had. Just talk to me, talk to me, Brand. Tell okay. me about that hot dog. Oh. And, and you know that his hot dog would be infinitely folding upon itself. It would be a Mobius hot dog, right? It would yeah. be a hot dog that he would never finish eating. Imagine trying to bake the bun that would encompass oh. that hot dog. Do you think that if you if you were eating that with Grant Morrison and asked them like, tell me tell me about what Batman would say in this situation? Do you think that he would drop the Scottish accent to talk about Batman, or do you think that there would be like would would Grant Morrison be doing like an American accent? And quoting Batman, or would you get a Scottish Batman out of them? Yeah, I don't think Grant Morrison is genetically capable of dropping his accent. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Another stupid Django Grant question. Grant Morrison's DNA under a microscope, it would actually have a Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything just has a little, a little wisp to it. Every all the the Gattacas in there have a little whip, a whip. Like they've all got those little umulat kind of things that Gaelic, uh, the Gaelic language has. Yeah, yeah, like a little, like a little, uh, little quapo coming off of it. Um, 
Okay, but who would you? So, so is Grant Morrison your answer? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Okay, all right. Colette, what's your answer? Well, I mean, a hot dog eating contest is something you, you do with your best friend, and so me and my bestie, who doesn't know it yet, Joelle Jones, would oh. just totally be there kicking ass at Shaman it, dog. and probably not actually even paying attention to uh, the contest or trying to win because we'd just be like so in our little simpatico best friend mode and just talking the whole time. Do you remember and, when I? You remember when I, I like put all those great fashion references into that issue? Oh my god, I absolutely do, Joelle. That was so oh, good. I remember got when you put that them. desperately seeking Susan like deep cut into that Catwoman, and I tried to get everybody at the store to be excited it was, that it was there know, and everyone blinked at me like it was just like my natural insane. instinct it was just my natural instinct Colette <laughs> let's eat some more hot dogs uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> um I think I think mine would have to be Jonathan Hickman and I think that that would only mm. because I think that he would create some sort of like system or mathematical schematic to consume hot dogs more quickly than anybody else like <laughs> i think that he could he could you know create the system like a nine page I, document of efficiency yeah i just i just want to see the text page that exactly that, like, introduces the hot dog eating contest exactly exactly that he's got uh it's an all white page with black text and it's just an instruction to me his teammate on how to be consuming dog yeah. whether it's hot or cold <laughs> just, just the most violent and aggressive dog consumption thing I've ever heard in my life. Before we get into actually selling Brian on the human target, um, this email kind of dovetails into that. So I want to tackle this. We've got an email from the wonderful Nathan Butcher, Nabu, one of the most handsome men on the planet. I think we can all agree. Puts us all to shame. Puts us all to shame. Even the bodybuilder, young man, Brian Garside, the 25-year-old phenom, you know. The, you guys the, tickets to the gun show, right? Y'all know us, but this, an, this anonymous guest we've got right now is, um, well, he's putting us all to shame, but Nabu maybe puts everyone to shame. Nabu says, good morning afternooning. Before we get weird, I'd like to answer a popular question. I'd like to get an answer to a popular question and answer my own. If you had to subscribe to all the work from a single writer who would never disappoint you, who would it be? Well, the answer is obviously Tom King. Well, it's not. <laughs> I think it's Kyle Starks. There's a legitimate case to be made that if, and only if, you like picking up the slappy madness he's throwing down, no one puts out a better product than old goofy guy Starks. There's an inherent charm in someone knowing exactly who they are and, while moving creatively around the box they're in, isn't trying to force themselves into being a new box. Albeit the wheelhouse is usually only accessible until you're in a certain limelight, which inevitably forces you to blaze trails or get lost. Also, yes, the answer is still Tom King. I'm not a monster. So I'm curious. So, so Brian, in the last like year and a half, a dude named Kyle, well, maybe like two years, actually, Kyle Starks has written a, a handful of books. Uh, he wrote one called Big Rock Candy Mountain that we talked about early on in the podcast that was kind of a, a comedy story about some hobos trying to fight the devil. With the Spear of Destiny. Yep. He then wrote a comedy 80s action series called Assassination. And then he wrote a series most recently called The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. And he did Old Head, the graphic okay. Old Head. So all of them were like kind of comedic books. But he's also really good at what he does. And he also does some cartooning. So I do think that while that's a good answer, it's a, a narrow one. So then he's comparing it to Tom King. So I think that what this has to dovetail into is, Brian, have you had a chance to read any Tom King books? You're, you're waist deep. So you're, you mentioned Manage Comics. You run, own, design this amazing thing called Manage Comics that deals with kind of managing comics and subscribers <laughs> and pulls at stores and is an awesome POS system that stores can be using. Um, and you've been deep in that for quite a while, but I'm curious, uh, does that afford you much time to read some of the, the, the current modern day stuff? What is your feelings on Tom King? Have you read a thing of his? How hard do I have to try and sell you on Human Target? Oh, no, no, I've, I've read like pretty much everything I've read. Okay, never. So you're just, you're still waist deep in it, even though, yeah, okay. Like, uh, Strange Adventures, Rorschach, Rorschach, Rorschach. Yeah, the, the Watchman guy, the angry Watchman boy. Chicken, raw chicken. Chicken, chicken, slappy. 
whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, I, I've read all of Tom King's stuff. Yeah, for sure. So the question is like, who, who's right? Like just pure writing. Would I? Is that, yeah. Is who, that who just, if you could, only, I guess if I can rephrase the question, if you could only be reading one writer's work. And always like it is in his question. Was it? Yep. Sometimes I focus too much on reading and not listening. Now, now is this, can, can we, can we qualify this with an era? Because I feel if you can qualify it with an era, there's well, only I, one answer. Well, I think that, I think that this question means you have to love them despite the era. You know, you're, if you're, you, you're diehard fan, if you, stop. you know, like if you only get to read Grant Morrison, that means you're going to have to like Sea Guy and you're going to have to like, you I know, do. I love Sea Guy. I've never read it. Um, <laughs> God, Brian, you're cooler than I am. Um, but you know, that means you've got to like, if you like, if it's Alan Moore, that means you've got to have read, you know, Neonomicon oh, and then no, Jerusalem. I can't read that. That's too yeah, funny. no one can. Okay, so much so, fish stuff. So if, if, so I'm going to do my controversial take and then I will throw in a, no, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to yeah, just the controversy, buddy. Yeah. Cause so I maintain that Brian Michael Bendis is the greatest villain that we've ever been given in comics <laughs> and yet has produced probably the most iconic and spectacular comics that we've ever read. So I, I, I reject wholeheartedly the last 10 year Brian Michael Bendis who, you know, created the Superman crap that, that's been terrible and stuff. But Powers, um, you go back to the, the, uh, the new X-Men stuff or the new Avengers stuff he was doing back in the day. You go back to Ultimate Spider-Man, which I- The best Spider-Man run of all time? Absolutely, and which inspired every single motion picture Spider-Man that we've seen in the last 10 years. Did you go back um, to Torso? And oh fire God. or whatever? You go back to Torso and Goldfish and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, and, and that's the thing that, that kind of bothers me is that people are always like, oh, deconstructing, blah, blah, blah. But like, it wasn't like he was deconstructing stories because it was fun. He was doing it because it was an exercise and it was interesting. And he actually had people speaking in different dialogues. So if, if you're, if you're like a, a, if you're a fan of like literature at all, writing the written word, um, there, there's like some sci-fi guys like John Scalzi, who's really, really big in sci-fi, but every one of his characters sounds exactly the same. You cannot tell the, the characters apart. <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis had a really, really good ability to make his characters sound different. And, and I think to me, yeah, that, that would be my answer was, was Brian Michael Bendis. I love that answer. I also love hearing somebody respectfully talk about Brian Michael Bendis because um, most often on this podcast, it's Django and Roman and I, and Roman is, is pretty kind of staunchly a not a Bendis fan. And Django, you kind of fall into the, like the neutral category. I, I like I like a lot of his stuff. I, I default to thinking I'm going to like it and I allow him to disappoint me. C- kind of like like Grant Morrison, but I give him I give Bendis more of the benefit of the doubt. Okay. I love Bendis. Like, um, you know, I've, I've long since said it, but like the, the comic run that taught me that like writers come on to a character and write a series of issues and that kind of defines a volume and a run. Like what taught me that really important comic book lesson was Bendis's Daredevil run when I was kind of getting into them. And that was what, you know, like I was like, oh, you get the volumes of just that guy or girl on the book. So um, I think that is an awesome answer. Colette, you're also a big Bendis fan. You and I are oh, kind yes. of the two Bendis people. Oh yeah, very much store. so. I love Bendis. Like some of it can be kind of blah or boring, but when it's good, it's so good. And yeah, his character is just, I read for character first and then story most of the time. And so when you can make someone just having a conversation for two thirds of a book as compelling as it can be or for an issue, that just is everything to me. Totally agree. Yeah. Plus also, he wrote me in a comic years ago. And Jessica uh, Jones is Colette Penketh. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Brian, that was a fantastic answer. 
And now I'm starting to have to think about my own answer. Do you need do you need a minute? Yeah, if you wanna if you've got something that's not a waste of everyone's fucking time, Can't then guarantee yeah. Anything, Jeff. But uh the if the question is which writer would I be happy only reading, but I would always like them. I would have to either be Colin Bunn or Jimmy TIV because they write so much. And if I automatically like them, I would have comics forever. I get where you're coming from. Have you seen how many Colin Bunn books come out in a day? I just it's like two a day. This is like the economics approach to reading comics. Like I don't yeah. want to like them. I just need to have a lot of them. So many of them. <laughs> yeah. The rule is, I'm gonna like them. No, no, no. You have to pick someone that you like to you always. Said, you said you would always want like to write to to read. Jimmy right? TIV and or Colin Bunn, and I'm not even a hundred percent sure the, they're different people. That's the saddest answer it I've ever be heard. The same guy. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen them in a room together. So check this out. I think I emphasized the question wrong, but it's if you had to subscribe to all work from a single writer, who would never disappoint you? And I yeah, think I maybe said, I think, I think that I think that I emphasized it. If you had to pick any writer who would never disappoint you, yeah. but it, it is in fact, who would never disappoint you? I feel like Jake would always be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd never be disappointed. Yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. You're right. You're right. Well, shit. So you, so everything. Brian had the good Bendis answer and your favorite writers are Jimmy TIV and Cullen Bunn. <laughs> I'm going to go to a default answer of Jonathan Hickman again, because nice. I really love his work and he would never finish anything. And that dude can eat a goddamn hot dog like you wouldn't <laughs> he, he can eat a hot dog that you wouldn't believe. Can, can I ask a question? Yeah. Do you guys remember when jonathan hickman like was in the running on the uh cbr comic book resources um they, they had like a, a contest for the best artist and he was in the running does anybody other than me remember that i don't remember that but when he did his first work that was picked up nightly news he did the art in that and then he did the so art great. yeah and he did the art in another book that he did so I could see maybe some clickbaity stuff like this writer artist is the next thing. No, he was like straight up as an artist and it was like him, Patrick Gleason, like the, huh. the, the dudes that were in that, I wish I could find it still on the internet, hmm. but I remember following this thing at the time and it was like, it was like America's next art, best artist or something like that huh. on CBN. Maybe your, maybe your listeners can write in and-, and Our listeners, Brian, those. you're here with us. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess he had nightly news and then Pax Romana. Pax Romana, yeah, yeah, totally. And, and then there was the Red Wing. The Red and the, Wing was- Well, the, the Red Wing was Patera actually. Was it really? Yeah, yeah so, that was so the then, first time I read his art and he became one of my favorite artists. And I, Django got so me from, a gift of getting him some work artwork at one point. And from that, we get um, Manhattan Project. Yep. Yep. Oh my God. So you guys are just really into writers who used to be artists. Like Bendis drew a bunch of that old. Calvin okay, so Preston. who's got something worth saying? Um... Right here. <laughs> I'm saying it. Colin Bunn. And Jimmy T.I.V. Colin Bunn, illustrated by Jimmy T.I.V. Oh my God. So I'm Jonathan Hickman because he probably won't finish his stuff. Django, can you get me another? And when um, he does finish it, it's spectacular. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, it sounds like Brian and I are just approaching pre pre uh, marriage conversations at this point. So I'm very so, into that. So I'm just wondering, will we will will our kids be Canadian or American? I, oh, totally Canadian. Totally. If you yeah, guys are okay. willing to have me, I'll I'll make the jump. We will I'm all marry I'm... you for Canadian citizenship, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm pretty sure polygamy is, is legal in Canada. So we can Hell just... yeah! <laughs> all free up here. Okay. <laughs> so then, Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, can Canada, it's all good. And we got poutine. Um, Colette, what is your... You got one artist for the rest of your life. Who is it? Well, my first thought was Tom King, and then that was snatched away in the email. No, no, you can snatch. You can re-snatch anything. And I, I can snatch. I uh, and then I was going to say Bendis, and then someone else took Bendis. He's, he's re-snatched. Uh, um, uh, yeah. I get, I'm, I'm just going to say Tom King, because that's the only yeah. person that I could think of that I would be... 
I mean, there's there's plenty. Like, I would be happy with Tom Taylor stuff. Oh, for that's a, a long, really long good time. answer. Like, it wouldn't oh, be the like okay. the pinnacle ideal, but that would make me happy for a very long time. Yeah. I would be solidly happy with uh, Jason Aaron writing for the rest of my oh. life. Hey, Brian, have you ever read Scalped? I, you know what? I've never. We got to get you scalped. Yep. It's 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 is maybe it, is that Jason Aaron. It's Jason Aaron and R.M. Guerra, and they just never fit. They printed it in a shitty paperback, and they started doing it in hardcovers that went out of print, like your Starmans. And then they were like, we're going to put those hardcovers in paperbacks, and they got halfway through it, and they're like, no one's buying this, so we're just not going to finish printing it, and they never finished the final two volumes of it. And then, oh, we're going to get rid of Vertigo, and, you know, eventually we'll print everything through Black Label, but, you know, eh. It's, it's easily one of my top five comics of all time, for sure. I could, I could put Matt Kent on my list. Oh, if, that's if a I good answer. Yeah. It's too late though. It's Jimmy TIV and Cullen Bunn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Would so anyone would anyone put Azarello on their list? Not me. No, really? I would have yeah, I would have in the first twenty issues of a hundred bullets and uh I would I I wouldn't at this point. Really? Yeah. I like the Batman Broken City arc a lot. And and his um his flashpoint thing was spectacular. Yeah, that was the only good Flashpoint story was I his, for it, sure. In my mind, not to be extremist, but I think that was... A, I think he does a really good job with short runs, but he has never stuck a landing for me after about five or six issues. Interesting. So, like, Hellblazer is Hellblazer. I, that, that ending didn't explain anything, and I was so mad at it that I almost stopped reading Hellblazer after collecting 190 issues or whatever that was. Spectacular. So, so what's go. your... So... so so Azarello is actually the anti-answer to this question. I just, for me, I think Azarello, kind of similar to Bendis, has had a tough run of the late, the last like 10 years, you know? Yeah. Like, I think I think the last, in my mind, the last really good Azarello thing was the Flashpoint story he did. And then he did like... But Batman's penis and faceless. Exactly. Batman, like... fa Batman penis and faithless with all the, the nudity in it. I do I, like the nudity. I liked his, his uh, Dark Knight 3 that he did with Frank Miller. Oh, he was so good. That, that, yeah. yeah. That was really good. Th was that, that him? Yeah he, yeah. he and Frank Miller wrote it, and I thought that they filled in each other's weaknesses really, really well. I did yeah. like that quite a bit. Also, what a crazy name, Master Race. Uh, Brian, what's your favorite <laughs> Azarello story? I, I, hands down, the Flashpoint uh, Batman. Is your favorite? That's yeah, that one, that one is good. Great story. Yeah, yeah, he does great with Batman and like that Broken City arc that he did with Rousseau as well. Um, well even the the Wednesday Comics thing, if you've ever uh, read that, is so mm -hmm. good. Yeah, I I don't have but really want the nice collection of the Wednesday Comics in the hardcover. Right yeah. There so then I've got a I've got a I got a circle a loop in I got to close a loop in my head, Brian. So you're not reading Human Target, but you've read all of Tom King's stuff. Oh, you know what? I was also going to say James Robinson would be one of my one of my. But mm. okay, yeah, we're, we're going to move on. Yes, I've so so it's more no. it's it's more a that's more a, a circumstance thing than anything else. I, I so I still so I used to own a comic store, so I still get my books from my my comic store, and I get things very sporadically. I I basically get them when I see him, which is like once every six months at this point. Okay, okay. But then, so yeah, I have all that stuff sitting. And right now I have five issues of Human Target sitting, waiting for me to, to pick up. I um, I think that you are really going to like it. And what I'll say about Tom King is he consistently starts writing a book that is solicited and he makes me think that I don't really care to read it. Like, yep. I like just nine times like this has happened to Rorschach him. and Supergirl and Strange Adventures and Human Target like over and over again. I'm like I, I will always read it, but it it's not a thing that it's exciting me to read. And yet Human Target um, is maybe one of the best ones that there is. But I, also the art in it is amazing. I would love to hear your thoughts on that artist. I was saying this to Colette last night that that I have no interest in reading Supergirl whatsoever, and I didn't even know it was a Tom King book. And then you guys raved about it so much that Not I me. read the first. For, well, sorry, sorry. I haven't read it. <laughs> Django and Colette raved. Actually, Django and Roman yep. raved about it so much that I read the first four issues, and I was just like, "Wow, this is spectacular!" Is it, You're telling me I should read it? 
Yeah, you, you really should read it. I just want an absolute edition of it before I commit. Uh, so you're not going to get an absolute edition for that for at least two years. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll read the issues. I'll read the issues. I just need to like go up to Blaine for a couple of days and relax and have some comics to read. <laughs> just a couple blank open days to read comics, you know? Okay, so you are going to read it. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, it's absolutely. not that you're against. I think I'm. this is all piggy-tailing, piggyback-tailing, pigtailing Ew. off of Django. Be a little more open-minded. Oh, piggy-tail. Just be open-minded. You know what but that means. You, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm we sorry, didn't mean Brian. to bring you into this pig filth of ours. I'm not sorry. Brian doesn't, doesn't even isn't even allowed to fart. <laughs> My body isn't even able to fart up here in Canada. Piggy tailing down his throat like, <laughs> like it's it's not fair. It's just not fair. Um, have guys, can I ask you, Colette? Have we left any stones unturned here today? Oh gosh. All of it. <laughs> oh, she's pig making. Well, you're shoving the microphone up my nose. You... So much pig sailing, you guys. You don't even know. Oh. If you could see how they make the sausage behind the scenes, it really is horrifying. And, I, and like, as a fan, it was one thing, but, but looking at it behind the scenes is, is truly terrifying. It's like living the jungle by Upton Sinclair. <laughs> That's an American writer who wrote about uh, working wait, conditions. Wait, wait, Brian, did I just mention the Jungle by Upton Sinclair, and you—that was a reference that didn't didn't land. We don't we don't actually get American writers in Canada. So that's amazing because I didn't read it. I was in high school. I was too busy watching anime and trying to learn to play the guitar, so I actually didn't read the Jungle. But I know a lot of people. Uh, it's it's respons- It's a book that's responsible for making a lot of people become vegetarians at a young age because uh, oh. it's about a meatpacking thing. We're a comic podcast. <laughs> I know it all the time. I'm sorry. I usually know it. I was just lo- watching a documentary about Heart of Darkness. Upton Sinclair wrote The Jungle uh, in a in a like a week. Conrad, magazine. Joseph Conrad. Yeah, Joseph Conrad. Thank you. God, I feel bad about that. It came. It, it was a a communist manifesto disguised as fiction about meatpacking workers and he wrote it weekly in a magazine and got paid by the word which is that this was like in 1862 or something like that it's like a common high school required reading book in america which book is that though that you're talking about the The jungle Jungle. oh really yeah Mm -hmm. Hmm. so so you guys can't fart and we have to read the jungle yeah, in Canada, in, in Canada, we only read uh, like British things because because we're part of the Commonwealth and we're expecting you colonies to come back with us any day now. Brian, just take me back, bud. Just let the border accept me and I'm yours. <laughs> um, well, I think that we've turned over all the stones here. Uh, we just wanted to do a kind of abbreviated, but it kind of became a fun, longer than abbreviated uh, papcast where we go back to our legacy numbering here. Um, this is, uh, you know, your classic Jeff, Django, and Colette hanging out in Blaine, Washington on Comics Pro, and we didn't really have a chance to read our comics because we've been hanging out with awesome people like Brian for the last couple of days and waking up at ungodly hours and then staying up till un- ungodly hours. <laughs> I, I've been excited about a video game called Elden Ring for years, and it came out today, and I, I don't really get to play it because of the I love my job because I love my job. I love it, my job, and uh, but uh, this has been a lot of fun. Brian, what do you need to tell the folks before we get out of here? Well, so at some point, we are going to talk about why Django is a monster for not loving Nightwing and how Nightwing is the greatest character in the DC Universe So and is the inspiration for every other DC Universe character. We can but do that I, I don't think we have the time to talk about that. Next season of the podcast, Old Directions. <laughs> older direction. um what if we call it nightwing directions so Ooh, so then brian i just have to before we get out of here i got to get this quick question out there so you know it's awesome that you had sold your store then still have a hookup with them that they get you your comics that rules i'm curious if you're only doing it every handful of months have you had a chance to check out the tom taylor nightwing stuff yet oh yeah yeah no no so so i still so the, the comic shop that I worked at is in my hometown that I moved back to. Oh, okay. I still go there every now and then. And like the, the Taylor, that, that stuff that I've actually made a point of picking up weekly. And that, that issue where it was like 
every page was a like continual like the entire image. thing laid yeah. out, which oh, that's one of the greatest comic issues of all time. <laughs> it yeah, totally that's, is. Yeah, that's just amazing. I, yeah, I, I I don't miss that. Cool. It's, I'm glad that as a Nightwing fan, you've gotten to be able to freely read what to me seems like the most golden era of Nightwing that we've had in quite a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Gosh. Is there, is there another Nightwing era that you think is better than what's Ooh, going on right now? Yeah. What's your favorite Nightwing as, era? As a Nightwinger. So, so, okay. So, so, okay. Now, <laughs> now we're going to get into a thing and that's going to lead to talk. Oh. So, is it Chuck Dixon? The reason, <laughs> Speaking of Nightwinger. Actually, it, Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniel's Nightwing run is one of the better runs of Nightwing. Of all Justin, but, who used to be on the show, was a huge fan of it. Yeah, I, I actually own a page of the, and I think I showed it to you guys last night. I own a page of the Chuck Dixon, uh, um, Scott McDaniel Nightwing, where he and and uh, Tim Drake Robin are running across like rooftops and stuff. Yeah. But um, to me, so so the reason Nightwing is such a meaningful character to me is because he's one of the few characters in any universe that's been allowed to actually grow up. And he actually mm. grew up at the same time I did. So when I was a kid, Nightwing, Robin was a child. And then I grew up to a certain age and Nightwing kind of hit 17, 18, around the same time I hit 17, 18. And then he became a 20 year old around the same time I became a 20 year old. And now I'm much older than 20 years old, but I still feel a kinship for him and the way that he's kind of matured. And at this point, he's one of those people who's respected by his peers and like Superman thinks that he's so impressive that he says, I want you to mentor my son. Like I get a little bit choked up thinking about that kind of thing. Cause, cause that's something that means something to me as a father that I would trust somebody so much mm -hmm. that I would want my son to emulate that person. So to me, like Nightwing is the ultimate hero because I've literally hit every stage of maturity with him. And he's at the point now where he's influencing the younger generations in a similar way to that, that, that I hope I'm influencing younger people. And, and yeah, so there you go. Can you uh, I've had a couple of whiskeys and I've got a little bit of a tear in my eye, but. Oh, Hey, I, I do too. Thinking about it. I'm just like, for me, I'm thinking like how lucky that you got to grow up with him at that point. The closest thing for me is that like, I grew up with Harry Potter at that time. Like I started yeah. reading Harry Potter at like 11 yep. when he was yeah. in the first one. And then I finished it when he was the year, like the age that he finished that stuff. And when that type of story evolves with you as you grow up, like that, you can't really put a price on that. Like that, that, that like staples itself to your soul or something. Harry Potter is, is one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in my life. And I don't think we as a society will ever see anything like this again. I, it was like, it was 2001 and Harry Potter 4 had come out and I was living in Toronto in, in an area called the beaches and I was walking down the street and it was a very kind of hipster area and I've it, like the book literally had just come out that day and I've never seen a time in my life where every single park bench was occupied by a kid in their <laughs> teens reading a book and I don't think we'll ever see that again I I, I totally agree was, I was such on vacation cool. with my family in Washington DC the week that came out and we went to the Warner Brothers store and waited in line in Washington DC with hundreds of people to buy Harry Potter 4 that week like that was that's yeah. so cool yeah I was in Italy with another family when Goblet of Fire came out and they I didn't actually read any of Harry Potter but that's they cool. were super into it yeah. oh okay yeah and so we had to like trek around i think we were in florence at the time to find the english language bookstore awesome. so that they could get a copy of it while we were there that's so cool i think that's so neat when we have shared experiences like that and i i hope that in the future we can have stuff like that still yeah and maybe even in the future there'll be nightwing books i, I hey um well 
Every, every week we like to join our, our our friends by the fire to have this weekly comic book conversation and it's a thing we all you know we take our shirts off roman pours ice cream upon his bosom and we all sort of let it drip into our ears until we get just a little bit concerned that the sugar and dairy may cause some sort of an oral yeast infection it's something that you don't really love until you've felt the pain of the danger of it and that's why we continue doing it it's a little bit like eating spicy foods it's always a sort of it's a it's a temptress of the taste buds to be here so we are so grateful that you dear listener are here with us laying our our ears to the bosom of Django and Roman sorry not Django laying an ear to the bosom and just sort of Tempting fate, you know. I, I I think that this week, um, while it's not issue issue two sixty, it's not the you know the official. It's a half episode, but I think that it's it's our attempts to be Icarus, you know. And I feel like you, dear listener, with with us this week, are Icarus flying close to the sun. And will we make it across the sea? I don't know, but I think that the best thing that we can all agree upon is that we will certainly make it far away from the Minotaur. And that's what's important. So uh, you, like any of the wonderful, brave soldiers that wrote us emails this week, can send us an email. Uh, I'll get those at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. You can put any subject line you want in there. I want to say thank you to Brian for writing us emails in the past. Also to the Ted Lasso podcast that we do. A big thank you to Judd Morse this week for that email. And a big thank you to Nathan Butcher. I hope that the, the, the spark from the fire didn't... Uh, didn't burn you, bud. Um, I hope you and yours are just all right. Um, and uh, a huge, huge thank you to Brian Garside for hanging out tough with us during Comics Pro this year. Um, he did. He mentioned last night we were talking about something. That's because last night we all hung out on a Zoom call for lots of hours. And that's also how this podcast tonight started. We just decided to start doing it. So um, a big thank you to Brian for hanging out with us. Seriously, Brian, thank you. Thank you, guys. It's been so much fun. And you know what? I think we should end this with uh, with the traditional. Just a traditional <laughs> finger snaps. All right, everyone keep snapping. All right, everyone. Well, I'm Jeff, and this is... Colette. And this is... I'm Django. And that was... Brian. And I'm always Jeff. And we're going to snap this thing into oblivion. Thank you. We'll see you all next week for an actual episode of the Papcast where we're going to be talking about real comic books. And until then, as always, our traditional sign-off, keep watching the skies. Bye. See you next week. You know, I was wondering. Oh, fuck. I forgot <laughs> about your shit. Yeah, Django, what were you wondering? I thought you were going to cut it. I thought no, you'd I'm cut it. Shove my mic God into your face. Yeah, you're a joke. I was wondering, what's it like to build a POS system? I wish that somebody else was a guest on this episode that could help us with that. Anyway, we can't.